This is Healthcare Matters on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Healthcare Matters is a program that delves into healthcare policy and issues. The hosts are not medical clinicians and they're not able to offer advice about medical conditions or diseases. You're always encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Healthcare Matters, sponsored by Hartford Healthcare, hosted by Rebecca Stewart and Elliot Joseph. Good morning and welcome to Healthcare Matters. This is Elliot Joseph and I'm here with my co-host Rebecca Stewart and we're gearing up to have a great conversation this Sunday morning. Um, looking back a bit, uh, we have spent a lot of time over the last few years talking about the evolution of healthcare. We've talked about remarkable advances in surgical care, whether it be robotics or what have you, uh, the emergence of precision medicine, the uh, disruptive entrance into the healthcare provider space, everyone from Google, Apple, Amazon, JP Morgan, on and on and on. A lot of change is occurring every day, but yet at the same time, one thing remains the same for us. We are taking care of human beings, often at the most vulnerable moments in their lives. And in my experience, I'm proud to say, the vast majority of people drawn to healthcare, who work in the healthcare industry are born with a deeper reservoir of compassion than most other people. It's just clear day in and day out. But in 2018, as we see the emergence of consumerism mm -hmm. into healthcare, with people spending more money out of pocket, there's more information on the internet about quality and prices. Millennials are changing the way people are deciding about where to get healthcare. A big question emerges. And that is, how do we continue to reinvent healthcare in a way that can be sure to deliver on a consistently excellent patient experience day in and day out? That's the challenge, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We are. We're going to talk about the good, these amazing experiences, and how do we get better? Because why aren't we, as a, as a sector, delivering this each and every day, each and every moment, each and every time, recognizing that every single moment matters along the way. Now, this is something traditionally kind of tricky for healthcare because healthcare, as you sort of mentioned, we see people in their most vulnerable states. We can never and we should never be Disney. So patient satisfaction, patient experience, the consumer or customer experience, they're not the same thing. So we have lots of experts here today who can help us delve into the why. Why these little moments, these small kind moments have such a big impact. And we have distinguished guests with us this morning. We truly do. Uh, Leonard Berry is uh, with us this morning. Uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, really one of the national thought leaders in the patient experience movement. He is a distinguished professor of marketing at Texas A&M University and a senior fellow at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. He is a past president of the American Marketing Association, and he has studied service delivery in healthcare at the Mayo Clinic and multiple cancer care settings. One of his most recent publications delves into what is kindness in healthcare? We'll hear more about that in a few moments, I'm sure. Welcome. Additionally, we have Jerry Lupacino with us this morning. Jerry is the Vice President of Experience, Engagement, and Organizational Development at Hartford HealthCare. Prior to that, he was with a nationally regarded leadership and talent consulting group, and he is a Connecticut native, and he's very passionate about improving the patient's experience. We're happy to have him on the team. 
Uh, and third, Kevin Bracken. Kevin comes to us with two different hats today. Kevin spent some time with us emergently as a patient, but he also comes to us as a son who lost his father after a lengthy fight with heart failure, and he has tremendous insight on what made the biggest impact to him and his family during both his healthcare journey and that of his father's. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Dr. Barry, want to make sure that you are there. I am here. Excellent. Good morning, everyone. Good yeah. morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Jerry. Thank you so much for everyone for being with us this morning. We do want to remind our listeners that we want to hear from you. Make sure to call us if you have a great moment to share. That is 860-522-WTIC, 860-522-9842. And this morning, actually, we're going to start with Kevin with his own personal experience, sort of taking us through what worked, what didn't. If you don't mind taking us through, it was just about two years years ago, sort of last month. Absolutely, Rebecca. Uh, you know, it's funny, I hear Elliot say how, how fortunate he feels to have such distinguished guests on the panel here this morning, and I just feel so very fortunate to be here this morning. Uh, it was, ironically, two years ago last week that I walked into work one day, uh, relatively the picture of perfect health. I had no pre-existing conditions. I hadn't been sick in years. I exercised regularly, and within an about an hour being at work, I suffered one of several seizures I would have that day. And fortunately, I worked in downtown Hartford, and I was immediately rushed to Hartford Hospital, uh, where I was placed in a coma. And the early diagnoses did not look good. Uh, it was relatively on the table that uh, it was 50-50 whether I would make it through the day, and the initial came test came back and said that I, it's possible I had an inoperable brain tumor. So, unfortunately, uh, it was a very difficult day for my family and I. Uh, however, I was able to then cross paths with uh, an amazing physician, Dr. Qureshi, who took a second look at the MRI and decided that he did not believe it was a brain tumor and that I, the best chance I had of recovering was to be moved into emergency surgery the following morning. You know, although I can't remember every detail of the conversation he had with me that night, I, I do remember him informing me of the methodical nature of how he came to that decision. And despite the obvious fear I had of knowing uh, that I was going into surgery the following morning, I felt extremely confident that he was making the right decision and that I'd be okay. You know, he did say something along the lines of how fortunate I was that I was about to have brain surgery. And I remember laughing to myself at the time and saying, did he really just tell me <laughs> that I was fortunate to be having brain surgery? But that's now the first thing I think of every morning as I might kiss my children uh, before they go to school. And it will be the thing I think of when I get in the car after speaking here today as I get to go coach my son's baseball team. So the following morning I was brought into the OR and I remember waking up to my family and being in the room and telling me it had been successful. I had made it and to the best of anyone's capabilities it appeared as if the infection had been removed. At that time I was introduced to another amazing physician and a few weeks later I was discharged home with the expectations of a full recovery. Uh, Dr. Lawler told me that I would have to remain on a very strict 
an incredibly potent regimen of antibiotics, as no one could possibly guarantee that a microscopic amount of bacteria wasn't left inside my brain, and I needed to be treated as if I was still infected. Despite how busy I learned Dr. Lawler was, he always made himself available to me, which really provided me with ultimate reassurance. Uh, and even when it came time after my second follow-up MRI uh, to inform me that not only had the infection returned, but it was twice the size it was previously. And I'll never forget where I was or what I was doing when I got that phone call that stated I needed to immediately stop what I was doing uh, and get back into the OR. I knew exactly what would happen next. However, unlike the first surgery, this one was different as I was fully aware of the inherent risk that was involved. And the only stop that I made on the way in was to hug my kids and tell them I was going away on another doctor's appointment uh, for a few days when all I was thinking of was if I was ever going to see them again. And if you think my story has been compelling so far, this is where it really gets interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Kevin. It is amazing. It's an amazing story and amazing that you're here today. And you talk so much about the fact that this incredible physician's skill is why, is why you're here today, physically here with us, a part of our program, talking about the patient experience and the evolution. But there are so many little moments along the way outside of the dramatic moments in an operating room that helped you and your family sort of live through it. Yeah. Anything in your memory banks that speaks to what Rebecca's talking about, that beyond the clinical expertise and excellence, those moments of kindness, as Dr. Berry's going to talk about in a few minutes, do you have anything that really stands out? Well, so much. So much. Uh, you know, ironically, not as much from my own perspective uh, as I may have not regained all the memory during that time yeah, from my I'm experiences. Sure. But my father uh, suffered four heart attacks during the course of his life. And I remember at one point late last year, we had realized he had spent close to three months uh, within Hartford Hospital on separate floors and separate units. And it was really during this time that we got introduced to nurses uh, that we still keep in contact to this day. Uh, it was the most subtle, simple moments that they went above and beyond to create some level of positivity in what seemed like an endless downward spike, uh, spiral of, of negativity. It was, you know, a cup of coffee that a nurse would bring my mom when she had been there for 36 straight hours. It was the way that Maria, uh, the person that hands out the parking badges, greeted her with compassion and hug and a smile every morning at 5 a.m. It was the blanket uh, that one of the nurses made for my father and had embroidered with his name on it. And as my mother reminded me this morning, Another wrinkle to this story is that the RN unit manager, when the blanket was delivered to my father, was so upset that she didn't create it for him <laughs> that Sue actually put her name on it and paraded around the ICU claiming that it was from her. 
and not from Sarah Kirker. Um, it was the way that Sue moved uh, a picture, a beach picture that was out in the hallway that reminded my father of the one that we have at our house. Uh, it was those little things that allowed us to get through each and every day and come back the next day with some level of positivity through such difficult times. Yeah, that, those are wonderful examples of what we're talking about here. And I have 100% confidence that those kinds of things are happening every single day, uh, quite frankly, across America um, in, in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Again, because of the nurses and the other folks, whether it's Marie who's handing out the parking passes, people who are drawn to this work just have this amazing capacity and reservoir of compassion. I think that's the perfect, actually, entryway to bring in Dr. Lent Berry, who we have on the program today as one of our featured experts, because you wrote this remarkable article. It was reprinted in the Washington Post about how kindness can make a difference. And I think that in this, you talk about, again, this is so similar to what Kevin was saying, accurate diagnosis, effective treatment. Clearly, that is sort of this remarkable common denominator we need. But these simple acts of kindness can be a potent antidote to negative emotions. That's exactly what Kevin's saying. So, um, Len, I would love your thoughts on this. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Elliot and Rebecca, for having me on the program today. And, and uh, I'm very happy to to uh, share the program with Kevin. His his stories were <clears throat> inspiring to me. They're the types of stories that I've heard many, many times in my research with with uh, patients in and in recent years with cancer patients. Um, and they and kindness. You know, Kevin was really talking about acts of kindness, not just clinical accidents excellence, but both. We, we need both in healthcare, uh, Rebecca. We need clinical excellence and we need kindness because patients, as Elliot mentioned in the opening, are at their most vulnerable state. They're frightened. They're, they're scared. Uh, they're uncertain about the future. Uh, in some cases, they're uncertain whether they'll even leave the hospital and see their children again. So uh, kindness, kindness, uh, has a much bigger impact in uh, in healthcare than than we realize. And most of us realize. Um, and there's a body of research actually that shows that kindness in cancer care can actually lead to better outcomes, faster wound healing, reduced pain, reduced anxiety, reduced blood pressure shorter hospital stays. So um, kind acts not only improve the overall patient and family experience, they also can can uh, improve medical outcomes. So to me, that is really critical, that kind care is better care. I would love... Absolutely. And Jerry, I would love you to weigh in here. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think... Um Kevin, one of the things that you said a couple of times were things like, uh, I, I felt absolutely reassured. I felt extremely confident. And I think one of the things that Len is saying is that if we take the time to communicate in a way that you understand in a manner that is empathetic and, are, and is clear for you, 
given all the situations and, and anxieties you might have, it's remarkable that you felt that way. And mm-hmm. I think it's because people took the time to be present, be absolutely in the moment with you. You know, um, there's uh, Rebecca, there's a body of research out there that talks about uh, the three things that make the best patient experience. And that includes things like, um, number one, that they're listened to. Number two, that they're communicated to in a way that people understand. And number three, that they experience courtesy and respect. And no matter what research we see, those three things keep on coming up. And it sounds like, Len, what you said and Ken, what you said, uh, continue to reflect that research. Now we have a caller. Actually, I have Jared Beanick on the line. Jared is a urologist with the Tallwood Urology and Kidney Institute. Jared, are you on the line? I am. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Good morning. So Elliot and I are talking about the patient experience this morning. We have had an interesting conversation talking through a patient, talking through the kindnesses that matter. But um, we appreciate your call in really from this physician perspective. Um, And we kind of wanted your thoughts on this idea that kind care is better care and that interaction between patient and physician is so important. So we'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think uh, we're getting increased transparency with our care and and getting feedback with more and more surveys about how we're doing, and I think technology is really helping to uh, not only to to give us feedback on what level of kind care we're providing, but also to make sure that we are taking care of our patients and being able to provide more compassionate care. So I think looking at online reviews for me is very important to see what uh, what I'm doing well and what I need to improve on. The, the reviews we get from Prescani are important, and I always encourage patients to complete those. And then my, my attitude has been to embrace as much technology as possible. I see a, a lot of patients. I specialize in sexual health and male fertility. So I see a lot of young men, and, and they're really tech-savvy. And so I've had to embrace the technology that we have at our disposal as well. And I'm pretty blessed with our electronic medical record. We've embraced Epic, which is one of the largest in the country, and has a lot of tools that we can use to really connect to our patients with uh, through MyChart. Patients can sign into their electronic portal. I can send them messages. I can review labs and send those results directly to them. They can send me emails as well. It really helps to uh, ensure that communication is, uh, is two-way and is real-time, uh, so they don't have to wait weeks on end to come back and get lab results. And you said that's been very helpful for this relationship with your patients. Have you seen this? I'm curious how this, um, how you compare with some of the other physicians who may be a little older than you. Is that a, a culture shift for a lot of folks? Or do you feel like a lot of folks feel like you and they're embracing this? I, I think it's a mixture. There's, there's some early adopters and there's some people who are, who are still learning the ropes, so to speak. But uh, likewise, I think we're very lucky in our office. We have a lot of staff. So even if, um, if some providers aren't as comfortable with the electronic record, uh, we have nurses and medical assistants who have access to be able to, to help navigate those things and also reply to patients' messages so they get some uh, quick advice and answers to their, their questions. It looks like Jerry has a question for you. Uh, and a comment. My mom is 90. She'll kill me for telling this and uh she's getting ready to go to her next primary care uh physician appointment she has a new doctor she's been on her ipad researching uh has come across five different websites uh uh, that talk about her physician 
Uh, she's very excited about going to that physician. And so, Rebecca, you'd mentioned the concept of generations and y young versus old. And I think technology is an important piece to begin to establish that confidence that our patients need before they even come to us. And that transparency that was mentioned is becoming even more and more important. Yeah, let's turn, turn it back to uh, Dr. Berry for a moment here. Sort of the convergence of human behavior and technology equating to uh, an unparalleled level of kindness. What, 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 what's your perspective? What has your research shown, Dr. Berry? Well, Elliot, um, as you know, the last three or four years I've been, uh, uh, I've focused my research on, on how we can improve the service experience, <coughs> service experience of cancer patients in their families. And, and, and as a result of that uh, research, one of the papers that co-authors and I wrote was on the importance of kindness in cancer care. And what, what, we, um, what we were able to do in that paper is we were able to define kindness in cancer care into six different types uh, or categories of, of kindness. And these categories uh, apply to other serious disease and healthcare in general. Certainly, uh, Kevin and his stories uh, touched on several of them. But let me just quickly go through the six for the listeners and, and um, be happy to provide more detail uh, later in the show if, if anyone would like it. Yeah, I do, I do want to dive into this. We have a couple minutes before we're going to break for the news, Len. So if you can get through those in a few minutes and then we can break and then come back and dive deeper. Oh, sure. Well, let's, let's do it quickly. So the, the six dimensions of, of kindness and cancer care, deep listening, finding out what really matters to patients, not just what the, what's the matter to them, empathy, uh, empathy, seeing the world from the patient's perspective, Gen generous acts, extra effort, doing the little things that Kevin, Kevin um, discussed. And I see him Kind's, writing notes as you're saying yeah. that, which means this has really uh, resonated. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. Generous Kind's, acts. Generous acts. Uh, timely care. Uh, cancer care is, is such a high emotion uh, uh, Deal. And, and waiting, undue waiting is suffering for cancer patients, waiting for a test result, waiting for an appointment. Gentle honesty, number five, gentle honesty, um, helping the clinician, helping the patient to the right decision with gentle language but with honest language. Being a trusted, truthful partner is so important in cancer. And last but not least is kindness to the family, mm -hmm. supporting the family caregivers, because cancer requires considerable care at home, and the family's often ill-prepared to provide that care without without help and assistance from the cancer center. Doc, Dr. Binek, just before we, we break for a news hit, I'm curious your thoughts on those six buckets. Do they resonate with you? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's um, we're, uh, Dr. Berry's talking about cancer care, but, um, you know, in my world, I deal with fertility, and um, I actually just ran into a patient last night who uh, I tried to do a sperm retrieval, unsuccessful, and that's a very hard conversation for me to have with the patient, with the with the spouse as well, as you mentioned, family, which is very important. 
um, to, to support them and come up with other options to start a family. So it, it certainly resonates across not only cancer care, but I think a lot of specialties. And, and I think the timely care um, and honest care, those are very important as well. Absolutely. Dr. Jared um, Beenick, we really appreciate you calling in from the Tallwood Urology and Kidney Institute. He's going to leave us now, but the rest of our guests are staying with us. So stick around. We'll be right back in five minutes. You are listening to Healthcare Matters. Good morning. Welcome back to Healthcare Matters. We're having a great conversation here around the patient experience in healthcare. Uh, we have with us uh, Dr. Leonard Berry, uh, who's a distinguished professor of marketing and one of at Texas A&M University and one of the national thought leaders on patient experience and also a senior fellow at the uh, very, very uh, well-regarded Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We also have Jerry Lupacino with us. Jerry is a Vice President of Experience uh, and Engagement and Organizational Development at Hartford HealthCare. And also we are very fortunate to have Kevin Bracken with us who is sharing some of his very personal experiences as a patient and as a son of a patient uh, to help really illuminate mm-hmm. uh, what the experience feels like on the other side of this. And and this notion of talking about uh, the patient experience and the idea, and we were talking at the break a bit about healthcare having been traditionally a paternalistic uh, type of uh, uh, activity where mm-hmm. we take care of you as a patient, we tell you what to do, and uh, by and large, people follow uh, what their doctors and their caregivers ask them to do. And we are moving very quickly and have arrived in large part to a new era of consumerism, which really requires organizations like ours who are providing care to real human beings at their most vulnerable moments in their lives to behave more consistently across the entire enterprise in responding to this notion of kindness mm-hmm. and how we deliver that patient experience that at every touch, every moment, is kind and compassionate. And I do think it's worthy to discuss this idea that we have a newer rally cry that if you are a patient in one of our hospitals, one of the areas, you'll see these posters, these elevator wraps that are highlighting remarkable stories. And you'll see it's every touch matters, every kindness matters. And the idea being to try to share across broadly that every moment truly does matter. Yes. Uh, and, and I will say uh, personally, as the CEO of Hartford Healthcare, or I think really as the CEO of, of any delivery organiza- healthcare delivery organization, I know, as we've already talked about, I'm positive. We have hundreds, we have thousands of employees every day delivering compassionate care. But what I think about more frequently these days is how do we become assured? How do we create an environment, a culture, a set of practices, that increase the likelihood that every moment truly does matter and we respond to every moment every day in a consistent fashion to deliver a extraordinary patient experience the kind of experience that kevin described that happened to him and his family um, but does not happen every single patient 
So, yeah. Jerry, let me turn it over to you as a guy that we've, we've asked to really lead the charge inside our organization. And as someone who's also a national expert, what's your perspective about that? Then I'd like to bounce back to Dr. Barry and hear your, uh, your thoughts and how your research plays into this. And I think, Dr. Barry, I'd love to hear your reaction to the research uh, that uh, um, as Hartford HealthCare continues to work at building this environment and this culture that Elliot talked about, one of the pieces of research that gives us hope is that people are naturally empathetic. That this, you know, story that we share is that a, a, a mom goes down to leave for work and she, um, you know, hugs her daughter who's struggling with a math problem, you know, and then she gets in her car and she drives to work and she struggles with bringing that empathy to work. And so as an organization, we have a responsibility for encouraging people to be who they naturally are and to bring that empathy to the workplace and and to create a culture that supports that. And not consider that weak, but really a strength, that there is strength in empathy. And I think that that's part of this culture shift. But I love Dr. Barry's thoughts as well. Yes. Um, you know, the, the reality is, because I, I teach medical students as well as business students, and every one of my medical students... Um, when they're in medical school, are going into medicine because they want to serve. Uh, they want to serve others. Mm -hmm. They're going into medicine with with uh, the ideals of becoming a humane clinician and providing outstanding service. Um, and I I I I talk to them. When they're still in medical school, I, I I challenge them. I I challenge them. Are are you going to hold true to these ideals that you have now? These ideals that have brought you into medical school in the first place, uh, or are they going to be taken away from you in in the journey uh, into being a full time, full fledged uh, physician? And and, and the reason I, I I have this discussion with my <clears throat> with my students is because delivering clinical health care is is absolutely one of the most difficult and challenging jobs there is of any kind of job of any kind of profession or career. In, in healthcare, your customers sick, uh, usually emotional, probably scared, maybe frustrated. And you not only, in, in hospital care, you not only have to serve your patient, you have to serve their family. The illness is complex. Every patient is unique. The stakes are very high. Mistakes can be life-threatening. And then there's all the productivity pressures that Elliot alluded to at the opening of the show that are raining on healthcare today, the financial pressures. And then there's something that in the literature that I've studied called compassion fatigue, that you can be the most compassionate human being, but day after day after day when you're, you're uh, serving uh, highly emotional patients and you're delivering bad news some of the time, it's fatiguing. And so there's, there's a lot getting in the way. There's a lot of barriers that... Uh, that require the kind of strong culture and the daily reminders of the importance of kindness and compassion. 
you know, that uh, Jerry was just talking about. Kevin, as a, a patient uh, and the son of a patient, um, listening to uh, our experts here, what what resonates with you? What what uh, what what doesn't? Well, certainly, what does is what was previously mentioned the the six aspects of care that were defined as to how kind care led to better quality care. The idea of deep listening. I remember, you know, with everything that was going on with my father. Uh, the most important thing to him at that time was that he got a good night's sleep in the room that he was in. The light was shining directly into his face. So one of the nurses moved the curtain to make sure that that light was blocked. Uh, certainly the generous acts, it wasn't just the coffee. It wasn't just the blanket. It, it was the texts that the nurses were sending my mothers with, with updates when they were off shift. Uh, it was the nurses coming in when they weren't working. Um, just to sit with my father on his last days um, and the understanding that you're not just treating the patient you truly are treating the family and by doing that you're treating the patient uh, because I think that myself and my brother and my mother got as much care and treatment and kindness uh, as my father experienced so Jerry as you listen to this as the leader of the band at Hartford Healthcare uh, how do we make that happen um, rather than, I mean, letting it happen and making it happen. They both have to occur. Take sure. There's sure. a distinction. Uh, I think that we have to be courageous, and I think we are at Hartford Healthcare, to not only recognize that your dad and you mattered, and, you know, Rebecca's been using the term every moment matters, and we often think that that just focuses on the customer, but we also have to ensure that we're creating the best possible environment for people like, Dr. Barry and other doctors to come to work and do really great work and for our employees to do the same. Yeah. So not only does every customer matter, every patient matter, but we have to also operate from the perspective that every employee and caregiver matters. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and we have uh, a caller on the line, Rebecca? We, sh we sure do. We have Miss Patty Ann Verano, who happens to be one of our superstar nurses, um, who was actually very, I see Kevin smiling because she was very involved. We're all smiling. We're actually. all smiling. Yeah. Patty, thank you so much for joining the show. You have such great stories, and you're really, you know, there's no such thing in your world of, of compassion fatigue. You are just so present, so there, and you have such heart that we really want your perspective. If something, God forbid, ever happens to me, I want you in my corner. Well, thank you. Good morning, everybody, and a special good morning to you, Kevin. Hi, Patty. I, <laughs> I thought we uh, both so agreed that we loved each other, but we'd stop. correct, and I, I could not stop myself or contain myself from calling in to this wonderful show because absolutely in my world and in my heart and in my passion, every moment matters every moment i view as an opportunity and that is what we do do an opportunity to do an act of kindness or caring and i just thought i would share a couple of stories in just the last two weeks i'm walking down the hall this this week and i see one of our nurses in their street clothes sitting next to a patient holding the patient's hand i walk in and she looks at me and she goes, did you see? Did you see what my nurse did on her day off? I don't have any money. She went out and got the stuff, 
and she did my hair. She goes, look at how beautiful I look. I walked over, gave her a hug, thanked the nurse. One story, one moment. Um, that's one story. Um, number two that I wanted to highlight. Last week, there was a patient in our building that the nurse comes walking down the hall, and she goes, we have a patient, Patty, who 15 years ago um, brought a group of patients to see an in-service by Lifestar, and all of his students, which were elementary kids in Meriden, got a Lifestar pin, and he has wanted one for 15 years. So what do we do? We get the Lifestar nurse up there in full Lifestar garb um, with a Lifestar cup. We have a picture moment. Um, and the patient gets um, a beautiful photo and a Lifestar pin from the person he wanted. Last month, a patient, unfortunately, was not going to be able to be able to go to his son's um, wedding. His, um, he was deteriorating horribly. We all pulled our resources and had the wedding in our chapel. So, uh, I, these are great stories, Patty, and um, we we really do know um, that they happen all the time, and, and I want everyone listening uh, who hasn't had the, the opportunity to meet Patty or, or experience, um, in my 30-plus years, there's, there's no singular better role model for what we're talking about uh, than the woman on the phone, Patty Verno, uh, who's impacted people. Now, with all that said, Patty and yeah. I have had this conversation. Debate. I, I, debate, yes. I, I like to think uh, um, that Patty has been, uh, w- as an individual contributor, when I know she's touching patients and their families, we don't have to worry about a thing. Patty has it. She's remarkable. I've been on the receiving end, and I know many, 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 many people who have. The challenge that we gave Patty recently was, Patty, how do you move from being an individual contributor to someone who really is instrumental in spreading this kind of compassion in a more consistent way across the organization. And she's doing some pretty great work. So, Patty, can you, uh, can you give a little insight into what you're, what, you're, what you're getting at here? Yes, we are nailing it. So, we, every moment, every moment like this, and as you can see, these opportunities were brought to me. It was not me doing them. We're at the point that we are teaching and coaching, mentoring all our new young staff who have it in them, as you said. They have that compassion to take the moment to seize the opportunity to show that patient what we're all about. And guess what? It makes her a happier nurse, too. Right, right. That's exciting. Dr. Barry, do you have a response to uh, this part of our conversation? Any insight? I, I I do, Elliot. Um, you know, I've been studying healthcare service for about 20 years now, and spent a lot of time in different hospitals around the country doing my research. And I've I believe that the hospital nurse is uh, is one of the most heroic jobs uh, of them all. Uh, I've spent a lot of time just doing rounds with hospital nurses. I agree, by the way. I, I, I just have to jump in and say <laughs> yes. Sure. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, listening to Patty, um, her stories, you know, I've, I've, as 
fantastic as the stories uh, Patty told. I've I've met many Patties in my 20 years of studying in, in hospitals, and uh, so we have a we have a, a a lot of respect that we need to um, to show to our nurses when when we and and all of us at some point are going to need the the care of of, of of competent, empathetic nurses like Patty, um, to 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 nurses. And Patty, yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, how do you you know this idea that he had brought up of compassion fatigue? I mean, you have been doing this for a long time, and that isn't in your makeup. I'm so curious. One of the questions that Kevin had for our leadership was when this was happening, when he was experiencing this, as he was looking back, he said. Was this just luck, or is it hardwired? So I'm curious your take on that, Patty. I don't believe in compassion fatigue, and I do believe it is hardwired, that if you have enough people in an organization that believes the patient is number one and that every moment matters with that patient, guess what? You don't get fatigued from doing the right thing at the right time ever because it makes you feel good too, even though it's helping that patient and that family and it comes from your heart. So how that's what the world is all about, right? Kevin, I'm curious your thoughts because I hear you, I see you smiling. No, it just sounds like Patty to me. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Jerry, your thoughts? Uh, I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a conversation we're having internally because I do think that compassion fatigue is real for some. And what I hear you saying, Patty, and I've heard other people say, is that the expression of empathy recharges people, that it almost bounces back and continues to give people the energy that they need. But we also have a responsibility to help physicians manage their health, to help uh, manage the technology that physicians need to use on the job on a daily basis, to provide resources to physicians to be able to focus on providing care. And so, uh, so as much as we're all energized by your compassion, we also have a responsibility to ensure that we can create that same uh, experience for, for everybody else. What a great thought. Uh, Patty, we're going to say goodbye to you. We have another caller, and we want to thank you so much for calling in to Healthcare Matters. Okay. Toodaloo. Thank you, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Patty. We, um, we do have another caller on the line. Sarah, you are on Healthcare Matters. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi. So, oh, this is a surprise. It's Sarah Kirker. And Sarah happens to be the nurse with the Bracken family who had the blanket embroidered for Mr. Edward Bracken, Kevin's father. Sarah, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me call in. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Sarah. How are you? So, you Great. Know, how are you? Doing well. Sarah is on the opposite spectrum. This is a, a young, newer nurse with all the compassion in the world. How do we keep that in this young, amazing nurse who took it on herself? And I kind of want to have you take us through the moment that you thought, and I know you talked to us about it earlier, that you thought, I have to do this. I want to make sure. In your mind, it was also simple. You wanted to make sure that Kevin's father was warm while he was on this very special floor. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when all of this kind of happened, it kind of was mind-blowing because, you know, when we were talking about it, you know, as soon as I heard that um, Mr. Bracken was back and I hadn't been in the hospital and I heard he was back, it was 
you know, just instant. It wasn't even, oh, look, it was just, well, he's going to be there a while. He's, you know, anybody who's going to be going through a heart transplant is going to, you're going to have an extensive stay. You're going to be going through numerous treatments and, you know, tests and procedures. And it would have, I knew it was going to be a long haul. And I guess for me, it was just, you know, knowing the family and knowing him and, love you know, loving him, it was, what can, you know, what's the least I could do to make him feel comfortable while he, you know, endures what he was going to. And, you know, as uncreative as I kind of was, I was like, that was my best bet. I'm like, well, if I do this blanket, then it's something I think, you know, our blankets are great, but it's not, there is nothing like something from home or, you know, something kind of your own that you can kind of cuddle up to. So for me, it was, oh, just something that might, you know, keep him comforted in, in those days, which I knew were going to be um, long, you know, long and definitely trying for him and their, you know, his family. Yeah, I'm thinking about, as I listen to your, your story, your perspective of this great, incredible act of kindness, um, thinking about the school system, you know, with teachers who will often reach into their pockets, their own pockets the to, uh, to get, provide something from one of their students whose family may not be able to afford it and what a, a tremendous act of compassion that is and we know that this happens across professions again i come back to I think about schools i think about nursing i think um how do we make this more of a, a standard of 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 the way we 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 deliver care and jerry what i hear you talking about is um this is uh, maybe less about the individual uh, nurse in this case, although that's critical. Um, it, it's equally about how we create an environment where they're uh, engaged and excited about coming to work uh, and aren't suffering from fatigue or the risk of just feeling burnt out. Um, what's what's next for us as we, we move down this path? Well, I think it's listening to the caller. <laughs> you know, it's uh, finding out what it is that made you feel compelled to extend the level of compassion that you did in providing the blanket. You know, uh, what are we doing or not doing that encourages you to continue to be courageous about those things and and paying attention to that? You know, the deep listening that Dr. Barry is talking about needs to apply to everybody that comes to work for us and finding out what it is that we can do to be able to support them and and doing more of Dr. Barry, when you look across organizations, uh, you know, do you see a high variability in terms of this idea of deep listening, timely care, generous acts? Uh, and if so, what, what are your observations and what, what does your research tell you? Uh, unfortunately, there is great variation in the quality of care, um, both clinical care and service care that we provide and across our, our country, Elliot. Um, I, I believe that it, it starts with hiring the right people, mm-hmm. not only in terms of their talent and their skills and their background, but also in terms of, of their, their value system, their personality, their, their compassion. It, it starts with hiring the right people, but then the challenge is building that culture in which people that you hire thrive. And, and uh, we've heard some wonderful stories today, and, and the stories that we've heard in the show today remind me of the power of stories and building the culture, the culture you're wanting to build, trying to build underway and building at Hartford Health and other organizations across the country. 
just the power of stories. And one thing you can do, uh, if you're not already doing it, is start every meeting uh, in your in your health system with with two stories: a, a story of of great care and a story where something didn't uh, didn't go well. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm pleased to say that we're well on our way down that path. Uh, uh, we do begin uh, every meeting with a patient story. Um, we may not do both sides of the situation every single meeting, but uh, there's there is a, a balance between what's gone well and where we have performed and where there's opportunity for us to get better and it's a learning. Absolutely. We want to thank all of our remarkable guests who took time out of their Sunday to be with us today. Everyone in this room, everyone on the call, certainly thanks to Elliot for reminding us that every moment matters and that we are moving forward and how do we ensure the patient experience is top and front of mind. This has been Healthcare Matters. This has been Healthcare Matters, sponsored by Hartford Healthcare. Tune in next month as we continue to discuss the status of healthcare, determine what works and what doesn't, and work to bridge the gap. Healthcare Matters on WTIC News Talk 1080 at WTIC.com. We're healthcare.